The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Cult for the Culture podcast are solely those of the individuals involved. The content presented is not a substitute for seeking or seeing a licensed mental health professional. Know what's up next, know what's up next. Healthy pleasure with Cult for the Culture. Better tune in, better tune in. Big sis, get him, big sis, get him. Cult for the Culture, Cult for the Culture, Cult. Hey y'all, welcome to the Cult for the Culture podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Renee, the Culture's Advocate. On this show, we have solo and interview-based episodes with individuals from different walks of life who are dedicated to being a change within the culture as it relates to various topics and their effects on the world of mental health. Today's show, we have a special guest, which I'm very excited about. We've been trying to get in contact with each other for a while to do this, but I'm glad she's here now. And I would like to introduce Miss Kira of the Moms and Martinis podcast to the Co for the Culture podcast. Hey, Kira. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, I have no complaints. How are you? Good. So tell the audience who you are and what you do and... Absolutely. So my name is Kira. I am the host, the mom, and the creator of Moms and Martinis. I'm a bi-weekly podcast that really jumps into me minding my business. <laughs> so <laughs> when I say minding my business, it's all about me um, just getting together with what I call kitchen table talk with my friends to talk about the things that's impacting us, mostly me and them helping me get my life together, whether it is educating me on different types of advocacy, um, really talking about my mental health, getting my mind together, hence minding my business, um, healing from different traumas and just life, dating, um, work, finances, all of those things. Um, just getting them ironed out and most importantly just kind of figuring out how do I do this right evolve into this woman and do that um, while raising children right <laughs> so how do I get my life together while I'm raising kids and be an example for them so that's really the concept of the podcast um, and most of the times the topics and things that we're covering are so dense that we need a drink so hint bring a martini <laughs> good well you've just um i won't say just because it's been some time now where you branched out into how you wanted the show to look because it wasn't exactly like this before from what i understand no initially when i started podcast um it was just supposed to be a still kitchen table talk with friends but um just something like just talking about different things through friendship and nothing really uh, serious but through the course and the evolution of the podcast I began to talk about my mental health which I wasn't it wasn't anything that I was uh, necessarily comfortable with at first because I don't know I, I think through life I've learned to kind of place myself in different boxes and give people only certain access to me it was very few people that knew and understood my struggles with mental health, that knew and understood my history of um, domestic violence. Um, and those are like my two main things that I advocate for. So one day I had the courage to record an episode about domestic violence that led into me talking about bipolar awareness. And before I knew it, it just birthed a new, um, I guess, vision for the podcast and since then it's just been 
me just living my life boldly and unapologetically and it's been a, a really amazing journey that I did not set out, but I just learned to surrender to the process. Uh, and it's been a really, really good ride here. So they say if you don't enjoy the journey, you won't enjoy the destination. So I've been having fun along the way. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's hard to, and I talk about this on my show all the time, it's hard to get to a place where you allow yourself to be vulnerable, not knowing how the other people are going to respond to it. Because there are people where it's like, oh, yes, give me this. And there are other people that's like, girl, stop telling your business. And it's like, but at the same time, like this is helping somebody else. So let me make my story the avenue for other people to be able to heal if they can do so. And so I always applaud podcasters who do that because there are lots of things that people can talk about. And we know that because we follow a plethora of people who have podcasts. But the ones that mean something and actually reach out to people to make a difference are the ones that have a special place in my heart. So shout out to you for doing that. Because I know it's not easy. Yeah. No, it's not. I always say, if someone's going to tell my business, let me tell it. Okay. <laughs> let me tell it. So I'm, I'm telling it my story on my terms. And one of the things I can say, I'm going to applaud myself in. I do tell my good, my bad, my ugly. And the things, I want people to get comfortable with talking about the things that you wouldn't typically applaud. Right? So those, those moments that we usually hold near and dear, and are typically associated with hurt, shame, guilt. Those are the things that I like to just get out on the table and say, hey, I did this, I said this, this is how I feel, now what? Like, what are you gonna do with the information? Uh, and and it's, it's so therapeutic for me, it's like the releasing of it all. And I think it, it, it encourages people to, to do the same and have those types of conversations and be okay. It's okay to stand in your truth, They're like, it's fine <laughs> and I, I want to create a platform and as I like to say a safe space for people to do that openly without the fear of hurt without the fear of being judged so they say it and I'm like oh okay <laughs> that's it <laughs> that that's all <laughs> just get it all out there so it's, it's a joy to be able to do that and an honor for people to trust me in uh, indulging that type of information the last thing people want to do is be vulnerable, honey. So when they see other people being vulnerable, they're like, hold up. <laughs> what you doing? You're doing too much. Right. But this, this has me excited about the episode, though. So before I jump in, because I like to do that. So share with our audience, what is your favorite self-care practice that you enjoy doing that gets you back and recharged? What does that look like for you? Check this out. I would say nature. I have not always been in nature. I grew up, you know, in the city of Atlanta. So I was taught camping and you know going out in the woods we don't do those things um and then my daughter I became her girl scout leader and that was part of it we started glamping and before I know it we were taking full-on survivor classes outside so I love connecting with nature getting outside taking my shoes off you know earthing or grounding I love um streams you know getting in the water waterfalls just something about being outside right whether it's the park um when the, the wind blows i feel like that's god hugging me when i feel the the sun basking on my face it's like a gentle kiss from god um the reminders are all around me that there is something greater and i'm going like it's a cycle so even now with you think about the leaves falling from the trees and all of those other things those are reminders for me to shed 
And then you think about winter and hibernation, that's the period for me to have the restore. Um, and then when you think about spring, that goes into a period of me blooming new, you know, new things. So I, I just love nature. It's a constant reminder that I'm connected to something higher. I've never heard it uh, put like that. That's, that's first things first. It's, I think it's a good way to look at it. And I'm more of a nature person now too. Don't do the bugs. We'll never do the bugs. <laughs> but just the process of being outside. I don't know what it is either. It's very calming and relaxing. Um, but I do want to hear more about this glamping because I want to go for my birthday. But I'm like, oh, what does it look like to actually <laughs> glamp? I haven't camped since I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, it's different ways. I always tell people, you know, it's what is it that you wanted to get out of the experience? Um, of course, they have now. Um, you can go Airbnb or different national parks that have things like yurts. Uh, which looks like, you know, really fancy teepees and you can get a nice yurt um, and they have your your cooking outside. So outdoor cooking with the campfire, but you'll still have, you know, bathroom and things like that. And then they even have drive up sites um, versus you having to pack up your gear and walk to a site. So I like it. It's not as hard as people think. And then now with cabins and things of that nature, it's just like how how fancy or <laughs> how rugged or rustic do you want your experience to be? So you let me know. I can, I can do some tips here. <laughs> yes. So I found, um, I can't remember the website, but it's the one where you rent the actual, uh, I guess, it's kind of like an RV maybe is what I would describe it as, where it's like two beds or whatever, enough for two people, but it has the big window where you can see out. They have one here. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's closer to Charlotte, which is about two hours away from me. Um, so I need to look more into it, but it looks nice. It's just the process of like, what does it look like after dark? Like once I'm out here, how, what am I supposed to do? Completely pitch black. I know exactly I, because I'm, I'm getting one for my birthday. Um, I don't want to say the name of the company because they ain't paying us enough, but <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> yes. I, that's, I love that. Oh, oh my God, I'm counting down. My birthday is in March. So I'm counting down to go there. But I mean, it's that night is completely uh, pitch black. But even with that, those things when thinking about self-care and nature, it reminds me no matter how dark it is, there's still safety. Like I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. So, you know, when it starts like that, then you hear the rustling of the leaves and, you know, people, the animals out there minding their business, being their character, <laughs> right? So you hear stuff, you're like, oh my God, what is that? What is that? What is that? But there's still safety and comfort, right? Even if you were to sit outside of your um, cabin, um, any of those things, if you're using the precautions, right, that they tell you, like, uh, make sure you're trash can is down and you know lock the doors don't leave food out if you're doing the things that you need to do then no harm is going to come to you and it's a reminder too like the sun is going to come so you want to say after after uh the storm <laughs> after the rain the sun will shine again right or you know this too shall pass but all of those things in nature just kind of reminds me no matter how dark it looks right now if I just be patient enough and wait it out, it's going to be so beautiful. So if you think about when you're in nature, that sunrise, it's a beautiful thing to see. And just like all of it, the sensory of it all, just looking at it, the smell of the crisp air, it, it's just, it's beautiful. So you think, yes, I was scared, but look at how beautiful it is. 
kind of I've just waited it out. You know, so I love nature. I always my friends be like, oh God, here she go, here go Ayala. I'm just like, look. (laughs) Just let me be. Let me be in my space out here, okay? Here go Ayala, coming with a metaphor, but it's so true to me. It it helps me. So it keeps me sane and that's what I believe and I'm not waiting. It's reasons like this why I wanted you to be on the show with me. Like your energy is just so welcoming and warm for people and you always have something good to say. That's just first things first. So I hope somebody is like, oh, maybe I will try to get outside. Now that they've heard you break it down like this with God's kisses and hugs and okay, that's a different way to look at it. So hopefully somebody gets something from that. Yeah. So let's go ahead and jump into this show today. So I'm super excited about this show. This is actually a different show than what I've done before. We talk a lot about mental health up here, but we've never actually, I think, had somebody to specifically talk about one diagnosis over the other. And so today's episode is Living Beyond Bipolar Disorder, and I have you here to share your story which you started doing a really beautiful job on your own podcast and letting people, you know, just know what it means to have the diagnosis. Because when we hear it, you think about people who automatically associate Kanye and his experience and that being like, this is what bipolar disorder looks like, but it's not like that for everybody. And so just spreading awareness and making it a little bit more normal, because I do know people personally who struggle with bipolar disorder and haven't quite got to the point yet where it's like, I'm overcoming this. Like, it's here with me, but, you know, I'm making moves. So what is it, like, before we even jump into, you know, about the diagnosis, what did mental health mean to you prior to being diagnosed? I didn't know that it was a thing. (laughs) No one um, ever had conversations with me about um, mental health or, you know, mental conditions and what any of those things meant. I grew up in a very, you know, Bible Belt (laughs) church where we, and it's, it's, I always say this, I have to preface this, it's no knock to the church or anything. It was just, that's what my parents believed, my mom believed. So I had no awareness of it. And a lot of things that we were dealing with, we just, you know, we prayed about it. You fast and you pray and you give it over to God. However, things were not getting better. And um, my mom passed away and we moved, my younger brother and I moved with my dad and my dad began taking us to therapy. And I was used to just going after Bible study and talking to people at church. So this was something new was talk therapy, you know, and I didn't know what that was. Um, And then life began to really come at me with different challenges. And I just went back and as they began to talk to me and it was like, have you ever heard of bipolar? And the only time I heard of bipolar it was associated with some type of PTSD from people that were in the military coming home or if you know growing up in the cities of Atlanta when people had some type of drug or alcohol condition and they would come around they were like oh here goes so-and-so acting bipolar so I didn't know what it was and when they I was diagnosed with bipolar I just thought like no that's not even true because I'm not crazy 
right? Another word that I'm trying to break stigma around. I'm not crazy. Why would you say that? So no one really taught me what mental health was. I began learning more about mental health when my life was spiraling out of control and I was having suicidal and homicidal thoughts and I was raising kids, again, moms and martinis, trying to get my life together. And I was like, I got these kids. I don't know what to do. I need help. I need help. I need help, like screaming to the top of my lungs. I need help. And that's when I began to learn about mental health and what that meant and that everyone has mental health. <laughs> Oftentimes you hear people say mental health and they associate it with some type of condition. But no, even if you are not diagnosed with a condition, you have mental health. It's about how you are responding to the traumas and the stresses in your life. That's your mental health. Um, so I've learned that and I've learned to hold it in such high regards so now the running joke in my friend circle is I, because people bring stuff to me i'm like wait i don't have this the time the space or capacity to deal with this like i am queen boundaries like no i don't have it i don't have the space or capacity so now the joke in my group is like before i ask you do you have space or capacity to deal with it so they laugh about it but they know like no uh -uh. ask me my mental health number today before you talk to me <laughs> and, and, and that's real though and to be honest it's something that i've tried to incorporate just like within my friend group as well and within my family but i always find it hard to actually ask on the day where people call what well, i know where i'm not there and i'm just like but they need somebody to listen to so i'm just gonna listen right so I, it's like, I'm firm on my boundaries, but it's still like, ooh, okay. I can give you a little bit, just a little bit, but that doesn't always work out for me either. Yeah, sometimes I, I'm learning not to waver in it because sometimes it comes to, like say with the, I associate it with guilt because I'm like, oh, they don't have anyone else. But if I have nothing to give to you and you're venting and pouring it out on me, then how effective am I, right? So if it's a situation like that, I'll say, right, I'm busy. If you want me to listen, I don't know. I'm writing this paper or I just really can't or, you know, can I get back with you later? You know, or I tell them, if you want me to do it right now in this moment, this is what you're going to get from me. If you want this, then you got to call me Thursday. <laughs> like, <laughs> get back to me on another day. <laughs> Thursday, because I got stuff to do. I got these kids. I got homework. I got school. I got this. I got like, if you want my undivided attention, this is what I'm going to do. It. Otherwise, I can listen. But I'm going to let you know, I'm in here. I'm driving. I'm trying to put clothes in the washing machine. So you may hear me yelling. Like telling you what you want to get it's your choice all right so if you still want to talk then you're gonna hear me yelling at my son in the background for a second because i I'm, I'm not there you know so i have to tell people where they'll be in and i'll have to say i know that you want to talk to me right now but i feel as though this subject deserves my undivided attention and i don't have that can i get back to you later and people out I, I think you should be able to respect that so, i agree I agree. I just think for me, it's hard in the moment. So I mostly avoid, like, if I see the phone ring and I know I've had a hard day and I'm like, I know in my heart of hearts, you're going to want something. So I just can't, like, I'll call you back. And sometimes that doesn't result in me calling people to the next day or even like shooting a text like, hey, I saw your call. I'll give you a call back. It's just like, mm -mm, I'm good. I'm just going to sit over here and ignore everybody for a second. I'll call you back in a few days, hopefully. <laughs> 
So it's definitely a balance. I mean, everybody is trying their best, I think, at the end of the day. And I think for a lot of us, we're so used to relying on the support of those around us versus saying, hey, maybe I do need to seek therapy or, you know, consider seeing somebody again instead of like, oh, my friends and family can handle all of it. I can just pour all of it on them and they'll be fine. And I don't think anybody's being malicious as much as it is. I trust you and I know you can give me some advice or some insight that matters. So here you go. And it's just like, yeah, I'm glad that you see me that way. But also, I need a break. <laughs> Sometimes my friends and family come to me. I'm like, oh, no, this is beyond my skill set. <laughs> you need some professional help. Like, I appreciate you trusting me that I can handle this. But I'm letting you know that the best course of action is to seek a professional. And yeah. I'm, you know, I had this conversation with a friend and I said, you know, it sounds to me that you have a lot of people that's been selfish in your life because they want us to take on a lot of the cares of your responsibility and hold this weight. But I'm letting you know that you need professional help. So if no one is telling you that and they're telling you you're going to be okay, then that's the sign. You know, I don't know why people, look, you need a professional. I need a professional. <laughs> Call in the reinforcements and it's okay. But I had that conversation with him. I mean, you know, you're constantly going to all of these people and I'm looking at you and watching you and you're crumbling. And everyone is so selfishly wanting to, for lack of a better term, like fix you and be there for you to, you know, play the savior in your life some type of way that no one's telling you, like, you really need help. So I had that conversation with him and he, you know, he was crying and all that. Look, cool. You put your tears on me. I'm going to be your shoulder, but I'm also going to also you some resources because you need resources and it's so surprising to me the number of people that are watching you intimately go down spiral out of control and no one's you know it's more so um let me talk or um do this and do that like everyone's trying to to remedy it for you when none of us can do that like you need help much greater than us um whether it be a combination of talking to a, a therapist, a combination of medicine, a combination of higher, you know, connecting with a higher source, whatever it is that you believe in, like you need all of those things. And I'm not the conduit for that. I can only encourage you to do that. Um, so that's, I tell, you, I tell everybody, y'all need to go to therapy. <laughs> I mean, and it's important too, especially when you're trying to maintain your own mental health and what's going on with you. And so when you receive a diagnosis you have to come to terms with what that means like what will that look like for me what are days going to be like from morning to night like when we already know what the world pushes out to us about what mental health means and so for me I've had to start saying to people mental wellness so it'll make sense and it's not I'm not calling anybody crazy I'm not saying anything's wrong but we all need therapy in some capacity even with the kids I work with I've had to start telling them like Miss Tiana goes to therapy and I'm a therapist just so you know, so nobody feels uncomfortable or like this is just for you because this happened. No, everybody needs to go to therapy at some point in time. Um, but what I admire about you and your journey is the level of vulnerability you've been able to get to and being able to share what it looks like and feels like to be in the space of being diagnosed with something that you weren't prepared for. None of us wake up one day and say, hey, this is going to be it. Like this is going to be the thing that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. And I know for me with my health, when I had that wake up call and I was like, 
yo, I didn't ask for this. Like I can do without it. And I know what it took for me to get to the place of, okay, I can be open about this. I can share with people. It's not, you know, as embarrassing anymore. I can, I can do this. And so for you, what do you think it took to get to that place of vulnerability? Because some people never get to this point. It was, it was my oldest daughter actually, um, because I'm not going to share like everything with her because hopefully one day she's brave enough to like share her own story. Um, I was just a part of it because I was her mom, but I was going through so much with her. And of course, growing up in this Southern Christian household, I was taught, excuse me, what happens behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. So I didn't even know the importance um, in of like community and really having people and support. So I was doing all of these things. And again, the stuff that she was experiencing was impacting me and how I was engaging with my other kids. It was impacting my work. So again, I just needed help. So how I learned to be vulnerable was I finally began telling people what I was dealing with with her and said, I'm tired of suffering in private. Like, you all see us to be this. And then when I would tell people, people would be so, you know, just shook by the things that I was experiencing. And then a lot of the things from my my friend circle and my village, as I call them, were just the constant reminders that you don't have to do it alone. You know, and I had to learn to trust that. So that was my first, I guess, um, instance where I I found like it was okay to be vulnerable and then from there I started doing a lot of research and YouTube videos with uh, Dr. Brene Brown reading her books and all of those things and of course she's a scientist that studies hurt vulnerability and shame and then as she began to describe these things I was like oh it's okay like other people feel like this this is a thing Um, and then I just began slowly um, uncovering and then finding people right with intimate relationships you know even with your friends you have you know your acquaintances your casual friends your close friends and then those intimate friends so even with my intimate friends I started to just shed a little bit more and just you know share things with them and the more I did that those people it wasn't like oh my god you know it, that's something too you had to learn um, how to do with people that Sometimes you tell people stuff, they just be so dramatic and they make you, they are attaching shame to you. So I know I don't want to be vulnerable with you because I don't know what you're going to do with it. So once I began to do that a little bit more, then it got to the point I was a little bit stronger. And then it became like a big F you to everybody, like, because it started to feel good (laughs) for me to release stuff. So I'm just like, F it. I'm just going to go out here and tell, (laughs) you know, what it is I have to say, like, it's my truth. And I'm tired of living with it. Um, But with that too, I think a lot of my outward success, it was like a, I always call it like the the aha moment or shoe drop moment because people like, oh, you have this level of success. You have this car, you live in this neighborhood, you have this, this, this. And I'm like, and I got bipolar (laughs) and I'm a victim of domestic violence (laughs) and this and that and this. And it's like, aha, like you can do all of these things and once I got over there, I was just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't care anymore. Like, this is this is it. Take it or leave it. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm good with me. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> but me. that's 
that's a good point too though about the shame piece because people will attach and i don't even know that it's intentional as much as people are just like oh this must be hard for you this has to be hard and it's like some days it is hard but also like just just chill for a second because you don't realize what's coming out of your mouth is now stuff that's being placed onto me and something else that I have to think about. And I don't think people consider that when you do open up yourself to share. It's not an easy thing to do to say, I, I'm living with this. This is something that I'm living with. Like even, and this is what I reference all the time with my health, like where my mind initially went. And then when I would have conversations with people and they would add on to that. And I'm like, see, I knew that this was the case. And so it just reinforces that for people, which I think, just from other people that I know who have had the disorder and had a hard time like really coming to a place where it was like, I can be okay with this. I can talk to people about it. People aren't gonna shame me. And I think people go to this place of trying to handle it by themselves. And I think that's really when we get in some trouble is thinking that I can do this by myself. I can do it all alone because there are gonna be some times where you're gonna need help. And even for the strongest people, like I'm a very independent person. So to ever, have to extend myself to somebody else where it's like okay I need a little bit of help it's like ah dang I let them know I'm a little weak just a little weak but it's like no you need help too sometimes yeah so I mean that's I and I had this conversation with my niece I say my niece but my niece is like 37 or something she grown but um I was having that conversation with her she was like you know how hard because she asked me for help via text and she was like I'm so embarrassed and I'm like for what for asking for help like, and I had to, don't you ever be embarrassed for raising your hand and saying that you need help. Don't do that. Like, and I know it's coming off so harsh and it got to her and she was like, I needed to hear that. Yes, you do. Like it, it annoyed me. Um, and I know I was probably, I was projecting a little bit because I'm like, <laughs> need help say you need help you know so again the situation with my daughter is what really spearheaded me to just begin opening my mouth like I am struggling I am trying to keep it together and I think that's why a lot of people are dealing with depression a lot of people are dealing with anxiety a lot of people are committing suicide right if I, I tell people in a minute look help me what Kevin Hart say help me I'm I'm at I don't know what to do. And that's something I was dealing with recently with my insurance company and everything. And I'm like, y'all out here got whole commercials talking about how y'all advocating for stuff. And I call you and tell you I'm in a mental health crisis and you tell me I got an appointment in three months. You have got to be kidding me. Somebody's gonna see me, they're gonna see me today and they're gonna do what they have to do because I'm telling you I need help. And then the only way for you to expedite that is if I attempt to kill myself. Oh, you want me to kill myself in order to get help. Oh, no, no, because I'm paying you a good premium each month. You're going to see me. You're going to see me now. And I'm going to write letters to whoever it is I need to write letters to. I'm going to keep calling. And it's to the point now they just like, hey, yes, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. You know I mean, it is. Yes, you know it is. Yes, now my therapist, she proactively called me. I asked about she's like, Dr. Oliver, I haven't seen you. Yes, thank you. Now they call me because they know. Nah, I'm telling y'all I need help because I don't want to get to the point where I'm out of control. And I think oftentimes that that's where people probably get it when they're over the edge. That's that's sometimes too late. 
you know what I mean? Because it's a process. It takes time, especially if you have a mental condition. So you have, you're dealing with the trauma or whatever it is that you experience, especially with me, like bipolar with the mania, it's something that triggered me. So I got to deal with whatever triggered me. Then I got to deal with the, the chemical imbalance in my body. I got to try to get that together. Then I got to try to get my mind right. Then, you know, just try to get a rhythm with that. So... You want all of that to be messed up before I get help? That don't make sense to me. No, I'm like, today's not a good day. <laughs> it's not a good day. Somebody, somebody SOS because if something else happened, I'm going to go over the edge, white flag. I give up. <laughs> okay, because it's <laughs> you brought up the resource piece because that's where a lot of people fall short is that we don't all have the same access even to have health insurance is a blessing, which in my mind, for lack of better words, excuse my language, ask backwards. Because it doesn't make sense to say, here are all these things, you have to meet all this criteria to have this. Like even to make appointments sometimes, if you still owe money, you can't make an appointment. And it's like, but don't y'all realize that sometimes there are other things that go into this. Like some people genuinely cannot afford health insurance or to go see a therapist. A lot of people don't know that a therapist, most of them, have a sliding scale so you can get in for a lower price. And so trying to get people more comfortable with the resources that are out there, one, and two, knowing that there are actual resources because a lot of people are just like therapy and that's it. But there's therapy, there's psychiatry, there's holistic health. Like there's so many other things to do to get yourself in a place to like really heal. And so I, I do wish that our insurance was a lot different because even for me getting into a specialist was months down the road. And I'm like, so what am I supposed to do in the meantime? While, while y'all figure this out, what do you want me to do with my body? Cause she not trying to hear what y'all saying. <laughs> she not trying to hear it. <laughs> Girl. So can you shed some light on what living with bipolar looks like for you? Oh, it's a hot mess. I ain't gonna even lie, but what the kids say, I ain't gonna hold you. It's a hot mess. It's a mess. I have, but I will say through, this has been like a 25 plus year journey for me. Um, where I'm at now, I do have more good days than bad. Um, I'm uh, Where I am now is I'm very in tune with myself. I know myself very well. <clears throat> Hence the reason why I said, like I can feel when I'm about to go into mania. Uh, where before, um, I would just kind of wake up and be like, what is happening today? I would literally feel like I would have these outer body experiences where I felt like I'm going through life. But it, it felt like I was in a movie, if that makes sense. You know, <laughs> I wasn't connected. Dissociation. That's what that, I would have like months of it where I'm like, I just feel like this not even real. So um, I've learned to kind of get everything together and usually now I know the name for it I got some homework to do but when I would feel like that I just feel like I'm not in alignment mind body soul you know like something is off here but it is hard bipolar has with the the impulse right I've purchased a lot of things I should not have my like it has messed up my finances right I'm not gonna even lie <laughs> it has messed up my finances um it has 
uh, impacted the way I parent because sometimes I go through cycles where just being around and engaging with people, I just, I, I don't, again, have the capacity to do it. But I have these little kids that I got to take care of. You know, my kids are 9, 10, 15. I have a 20-year-old. But so imagine having a preschool, elementary, middle, and high school. But I am so far into mania. I can't cook. I can't clean. I'm not showering. My kids are hungry. You know, I'm just don't have it. So it, it has made my kids have to grow up. Like my friends were like, you're little independent adults. That's what they call my children. So it is now I've, <laughs> things are better, you know, but because of that, they have learned to adjust and, and be a certain way that I don't think isn't you know I don't want to say the average kid because who knows what average is nowadays but I, I don't even think normal is a thing but they've learned to kind of be self-sufficient because not knowing if how I'm going to be in any given moment you know um but on the flip side of that again it's been a while because now I know how to manage but those are just some of the fallouts I got stories upon stories but that's some of the fallouts but now I say it is my superpower having bipolar because one of the things with it it allows me to feel very deeply so the example I give people the only way I know how to describe it is like I say if you get a paper cut yes it hurts right and you, you have it and it's thin you're like oh man you put the pressure but it's gonna sting. It says, so when you're going through something, it may feel like a paper cut to you. But for me with bipolar, it feels like I've been shot. That's that's the severity, like the scale of it. And you're saying, oh, it's not that big. Like, yes, it hurt, it sting, but you'll get over. But for me, it's like you just shot me with a, <laughs> like a, a 12 k shotgun, like boom. So I have to learn how to um, detach my emotions. So, that's why I say it's my superpower. So now I'll go through situations and I can literally say, okay, let me wait. What is this? What emotion do I need to have in this moment? So <laughs> and it's, it's taking me a while to know how to do that. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, what, what is I need to do? Also, um, it allows me to see people because I've been, as a young say, doing the work. So I can see things very easily in people. And that's why I guess, again, hence the safe space, I let people say what it is they need to say. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. You know, no matter how deep, no matter how ugly, no matter how dirty, it's fine. That's it. And I've just learned to be okay. And just not necessarily the, again, just being careful about how you responding to people, letting people know, like, it's cool. We all got a little something with us. So for me, bipolar, it's been a blessing. It's been a curse. You know, I, girl, <laughs> it's, it's a journey. It's, it's a journey. Um, medicine, no medicine. Holistic, like you say, the psychiatrist, psychologist, um, getting in nature. Girl, I had all kind of crystal readings, acupuncture, <laughs> all kind of stuff because I just trying to, for lack of a better term, like fix me because I thought like something is wrong. I'm broken. Like just, just fix it. I want to fix it, you know. Um, but instead of me learning to air quote fix it, I've just learned to lean in and embrace it. And because of it, I just 
now I can connect with people on all type of levels. No matter where you are, like I like I see you. Like literally I see you. And you embrace it so well. I I will say that like you do not let it limit you in any capacity. And I know you said it's been twenty five years, but to even for the people who listen to your show or who haven't, so definitely a plug here for you for people to go listen to your podcast. But I know that makes a difference for people to hear that, to see like it's hard. And I'm not even gonna sit here and pretend that it's not hard, but this is what can come out of this. This is how I've been able to overcome. This is how I've gotten to this space. And I know finding the strength is a journey in itself. And so within that 25 years, what do you feel like was the point where you got to say, okay, like I'm finding some strength in this. This does not have to be end all be all for me. It was after my divorce when I, because I was married for 10 years. And after my divorce, it was just like, I wanted to just re, not even reclaim because it was a life that I never had. I just wanted to find myself. I was, you know, young. I had these kids. I felt like everything that I worked to build was gone. I had my my mental, my psyche was off. Um, and I remember I went into mania. I stayed up for probably like five or six days. I painted my whole downstairs. Like legit painted it, two colors, wings coating. Like I was in there doing everything. Call out of work. I almost lost my job because it was like three, four days. I was supposed to go in. I didn't go in. I was just painting. And I was just like, what in the hell is going on? I didn't know um what to do. And at that moment, I was like, your house about to go on foreclosure. You damn near lost your job. You done painted and didn't even do a good job. I don't know who told you you was a painter. Uh, <laughs> my kids would get off the school bus and I'm like, I ain't comb your hair, nothing. Like it was to the point where it's just like, you're gonna lose it all if you don't get it together. And at that point, I just made it a mission to figure out what that looked like for me. Um, and I started dating this guy who were best friends now, <laughs> but I was dating him and he really encouraged me to like find myself no matter how that looked. Um, and if it was like, oh, I need to go spend a few days in the woods, he would come and help me with my kids so I can get that done. He would, he was the first one to really encourage me to talk. You know, I was going to therapy and doing stuff, but I would ask stuff. He asked like a lot of why questions, even though they say you're not supposed to ask people why, right? But like, why do you feel like that? And I'm like, feel like what? Like that? Why Why do you feel that? Is it, do you really think you're angry or is it shame? Are you embarrassed? Like he would ask all these questions. Wow. So intrusive and disrespectful at first because I didn't know what to do with that. Like, leave me alone. I'm tired of talking about this. But it really encouraged me to dig deep. So when he wasn't there in his absence and I would do something or feel something, I had I started asking myself, well, why do you feel like that? <laughs> you know, so it, it birthed something within me. And then I was like, let me just get my life together. Um, and it, it even be began to change the dynamics of how I was parenting. 
because I was figuring out stuff and I was realizing like girl you over here jacking up folks like get yourself together <laughs> you know what I mean like you have these children and I was seeing the impact there and I was seeing the impact um I, I did um ask some of my co-workers like how are they experiencing me just getting a lot of tough feedback from people and I did not like who people were experiencing I did not like that. So I just went on a mission to, to change it and get it together and, you know, break my own stigma, get my meds. I started calling it, my dad would call me out. Like, but you know, I'm like taking my morning cocktail, get my, <laughs> I need these meds, <laughs> balance this thing off. Like, let me just, I, because I'm, I gotta get it together. I have to, like, I don't have any other choice. So yeah, it was that divorce best thing ever happened to me <laughs> Look, okay <laughs> find the silver lining but it sounds like the combination of the divorce and your children because you know the work that I do I work with kids who have been through something traumatic and sometimes a parent having a mental illness or diagnosis can be considered traumatic for the children and so the fact that they were your reason gives them an opportunity to have something more even though they experience that that doesn't have to be the end-all be-all for them so even though you feel like, man, they had to grow up a little sooner, but they do have skills now that they can utilize and go through the world with and also have seen my mom turn this thing all the way around. Like, I remember when this first started and how this first felt. And so I think that's one beautiful that you got to that point to be able to see it because some people can't. Some people can't see beyond what the symptoms are and how it feels and to wake up every day not knowing what it's gonna look like from day to day or if somebody's gonna set you off, how that's gonna go. And so one shout out to you for facilitating feedback from people, because I will admit I probably would have not done that. <laughs> Just because you don't know what people are gonna say and I know my attitude and they probably say the wrong thing and I'm like, okay, now we gotta have a different conversation. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's that's definitely hard. Um, so if you had to give one piece of advice to anyone, whether newly diagnosed been diagnosed for some years trying to figure it out wherever they are in their journey what would you say to them it is what it is so what you have bipolar what's next right embrace it lean into it i think a lot of times when people find they have bipolar you're hell bent on proving you don't so you go through years of trying to not give in to um stigma that has been associated with it. So I say embrace it. Um, I have an app that I use that I began to track my moods and you know, everything Maybe I was very intentional about doing it for an entire year, every single day tracking my mood because I wanted to figure out my trends, my cycles, like get to know yourself. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. I think everyone should do that, but especially if you have bipolar, because you have to figure out what your triggers are. You got to figure out those things that, that you're able to steal small pockets of joy. You have to figure out the things that keep you balanced, whether that's the way that you eat, how much water you drink, how much sleep you're getting, because all of those things, I just a couple of weeks ago, I was experiencing mania and I felt it coming and I was like, I have not been sleeping. That's what's going to trigger me into mania, you know? So embrace it and through embracing it and figuring out all these things about it to try to I guess um regulate your body and your mind right <laughs> that's what it, it is it comes down to in a lot of cases and I know research is still being done by that but through that you learn so much about yourself you learn 
<laughs> to care for yourself in a way and extend grace for yourself in a way that allows you to do it for others, right? Because you're, it, for me, it allowed me to be more gentle with who I am. So embrace it, lean into it. That's your superpower. Welcome to the club, homie. <laughs> welcome, welcome. But I'm glad you said the piece about denial because what a lot of people don't realize is when you get a diagnosis of any kind, when life shifts of any way that you are not prepared for, there is a grieving process involved. And sometimes that grieving process is, I'm gonna stay in denial for a long time until I come to terms with, this is what I'm dealing with. Okay, now I've come to terms with it. Now I'm a little sad about it. Okay, Ooh, now I accept a little bit. Ooh, not too much, let me step back. And so I think normalizing that for people too, you're gonna have your waves. It's not gonna be every day that you're gonna feel great about this. It's just not. Like some days are gonna be better than others. Some days you're gonna be on top and some days you're not. And just coming to terms with what that looks like for you and not allowing other people to shame you out of your story. And I think some people really get caught up and rightfully so, because it's hard not to in our judgmental culture of a world right now to not feel judged about stuff. Like when you see people who are mainstream that have to deal with this same diagnosis and the level of disrespect that people spew, having no level of understanding what it's like to have anything remotely that close. Like people, oh, I'm feeling bipolar today, but you have no idea what that feels like and just using it so casually. And so I definitely think helping people come to terms with all of us are dealing with something. Whether it's me and my anxiety, or you and your depression, or you and your bipolar, we all have something that we come to the table with. Whether or not it's diagnosed, because a lot of us don't go to therapy, so we don't have the opportunity to know that we're struggling with these things, it's there. It's definitely there. And so this brings me to my portion of the show that I like to call this Advocate. And I think you shed some light on this, but if you could do anything to change the state of mental health within our culture, what would that one thing be? And that's probably a very loaded question for you. It is. Um, for a while, I just say awareness. But I think now people are very much so aware. So if I had to advocate, and we talked about it a little bit, is making sure that everyone has um, the appropriate access to care, right? Um, and that looks different, um, especially for people of color, you know? <laughs> Um, so just making sure people have access to it and just the hoops and barriers, like you said, for, for people to get the help. So I think that is something that, um, and this is probably the third time, so that's alignment that I'm having this conversation about just getting people access um, to, to getting the care that they need. Um, thankfully, I think the state of, um, for, for mental health, what people know about it and the conversations that's been had. I don't, I don't know if it still is stigmatized um, as it was before. I know now people talk about it and say, oh yeah, I need to go, but I'm not going to. Um, we'll get there. But now that people are aware of it, get the people the care that they need. You know, so that's what I want to do with the fight with the insurance companies, the fight with the, the Medicaid and Medicare or the, even with the, the resources that we have available for our, our professionals that work in that space um, so that they can offer free resources or affordable resources. That would be amazing, um, even with the hotlines and, you know, finding resources for people that may need medicines and, you know, um, long-term inpatient care 
all of those things. And that's something I had to deal with with my daughter, which was very difficult. We had to check her in inpatient for a few months and that was hell. You know, and like I, I work for a really good job <laughs> and got really good insurance and it was hell. So I can't imagine having to go through that process and not have that or not even have the money, you know. So um, that's where I would want to advocate for get get people free mental health resources free. Absolutely free. free. Like how much? Zero ninety nine free. Just free. Free ninety nine. That's it. But I mean, I, I definitely agree that I think we've come a long way as far as stigma and the conversations that people are having. But I think even with that, with people trying to learn themselves and learn the parts of themselves that they project onto other people, because we do that quite frequently. And so our fears, our anxieties become other people's fears and anxieties. And so I want us to get to a point where we're not seeing the journey as much as we're seeing the person because a lot of the times like, well, they're doing this and they're doing that. And just coming to a better understanding, even for me with the friends that I've had um, that struggled with bipolar disorder, it was like learning how to support them because there are certain things about having the diagnosis that they can't control, but sometimes it also makes for lack of better words, not the greatest friend, like not being there as much. And so trying to come to terms with what does that look like for them? Like I'm thinking about myself, but how hard is it for them to commit to something? Like, what does that look like? What is that process? And so I think just normalizing it across the board is always my thing and definitely free healthcare. And this is why voting is important, y'all. This is why we made such a big deal over this election because there was so much. A lot of people don't know about the Medicaid reform that's happening and the fact that a lot of people are going to be without healthcare, which means no therapy, no physical healthcare. It's just... It pisses me off, to be quite honest. So I try to stay away from this conversation. But it is a real thing. They are trying to take away Medicaid. They're trying to take away Medicare. And this is an insurance plan for people who don't know that offer a lot of free resources. If you have Medicaid, you get a lot of free treatment. And that really matters for people. When you think about people who are in foster care or have to go to shelters or anything just to be able to stabilize themselves, Medicaid is important. And so just having that resource is... I don't know what it's going to take for us to get there, but I hope we get there sooner than later. So, yeah. But I'm super excited about this conversation. I'm glad that we were able to do it finally. I'm excited for how it's going to touch other people because I know it will. And I was very intentional about this episode because we were actually supposed to do another episode at first. And I was like, nah, I, we need to get into this more. This is what people need to see, especially... And I reference him all the time because that's the view that people have is Kanye. And I'm like, I want y'all to know that it's more to it than this and that he's still in the phase of struggling. He's still figuring it out himself. And so give him that space. And I know it's hard because he's a celebrity, but for us normal people out here, you know, this is what it looks like. <laughs> okay, this is this is it. This is what it looks like. So I want to give you an opportunity to plug all the work that you're doing. You're doing great stuff out there. I know you've been on several different shows telling your story. So go ahead and share with the people what you're doing, where they can find you, and so they, they can listen to all your great stuff too. Yes, yes, yes. So again, it's Kira. Thank you so much for a lot. You know, I'm like fangirling on the inside, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm so oh, girl. But yes, uh, Moms and Martinis, available on most listening platforms. If there is a platform that you would like to hear me on and I'm not on, just let me know. And I will go over there and mind my business and get on that platform. So whether it's Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Anchor, 
Breaker, Pocket Cast, all of those. Um, so on most listening platforms, that's where you will find me. Um, you can also find me, I stay on Instagram, okay? My IG stories, it goes down, trust me. So you can find me on Instagram at Moms and Martinis Pod. And literally, you see what I go through every single day. You may one day, um, maybe skinny dipping in the pool real story and the next day I may be crying because all my hair fell out because I got alopecia and that's my business so you never know what you're gonna get so you can find me on Instagram and I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and Moms and Martinis um so just hook me look, look me up I'm there <laughs> thank you so yes much. and I will be sure to add all of that in the show notes so people can find you because that seems to be easier for people uh, but yeah, like she said, y'all, she's full of energy. So you're going to get something new or something different every day on her story. And that's what I love about her. Like, look at Kira up there just. <laughs> Tell me, however the spirit moved me, when I say it's in my shana I'll do it. Literally, my friends, we went out and it was so cold. And it was like, we should jump in the pool. And I was like, yeah, we should do it naked. And I did it, you know, because that's my business. <laughs> and, and that's your business. And you minding the business that pay you. And if y'all minding her business, then y'all not doing the right things, okay? Yeah, so you're going to see all of that, even with my kids, right? You get a chance to see that with my kids and the conversations that I've had. Yeah, I love that when you do that. I definitely do. Yeah. Come on over. We love to have Well, y'all, thank you for tuning in. I hope that y'all got something. There are several, several gems that were dropped during this episode. I want to thank Kira for coming and joining us and giving us all this great information about her story and her journey. And as always, I appreciate you guys for listening and tuning in to the Cult for the Culture podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Renee, and I'm out this thing. Bye, y'all. Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in. It's Tiana Renee here. To make sure you stay up to date on all information related to Cope for the Culture, be sure to follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at Cope for the Culture Podcast, Twitter at Cope, the number four, the culture, and on Facebook at Cope for the Culture Podcast. As always, I appreciate you for tuning in. Bye y'all.